Hello and welcome to Anomaly Presents, a podcast about movies, the movies that inspired us to start a genre film festival. That's the Anomaly Film Festival, November 4th through 7th in Rochester, New York. My name is Matt Knotts, and uh, tonight we're uh, we're talking about a movie that, you know, it, it's it's a new classic. We usually talk about an older movie, a movie that, you know, we all grew up on and, and can't get enough of. Um, this is a movie we'll be talking about for a while. Um, and it's the stylist. Um, it's a really taut horror thriller. I, I can't say enough good stuff about it, but there's plenty of other people that want to talk about it too. And it just so happens we have them on the line here. Um, so let's go through and we'll introduce our podcastronauts here. We'll start with Matt Turk. Hello. Adam Lubito. Hi, everyone. Megan Murphy. Oh, no, it's me again. <laughs> and because we are the luckiest podcast in the world, we have the, the writer, the director, the, the mastermind behind the stylist with us tonight to talk about it on the night that it's released on VOD and Blu-ray. Amazingly enough, it doesn't Ooh. get much better. Ooh. So welcome to the st- show, Jill Gavargazian. You nailed it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me on. But now I almost wish you guys were talking about it when I wasn't here. So I know the, also the you have to say all the bad things too. <laughs> that you would say if you didn't have the filmmaker on the show. <laughs> I mean, even movies you love, there's some things you'll say. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we'll do the, the the stylist podcast, the the Snyder cut, and we'll put in all the rest oh, of the stuff. It'll shit. be fun. <laughs> So if you're a, a anomaly attendee, if you're a, a friend of the festival, you've you've seen one of Jill's short films. You've seen One Last Meal, um, and it's one that that kind of stuck with a lot of our att- attendees when we showed it. Um, so that's why we're, we're, we're super excited that, that Jill wanted to join us tonight. She she was a part of our inaugural festival, and uh, she's made a feature that's absolutely amazing. The stylist. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what inspired you to make the stylist? Yeah. Um, it was first a short film that I, that we made a bazillion years ago. It feels like now, cause we've put up quite a few short films since the stylist. Um, yeah. The style short came out in 2016, but so I've, I'm also a hairstylist and have been for now, like over 15 years and it just kind of dawned on me one day, like, how is there not already a slasher movie about a hairstylist that kills people? And um, <laughs> I was thinking at first, like, you know, along the lines of all the silly 90s, like early 90s slashers, like The Dentist and like The Landlady, because there's all these the <laughs> profession slasher movies. <laughs> and Dr. Giggles is a great one. Um, but yeah we obviously we didn't go like that comedy route, but that's just kind of where it started. It was like, how does that not exist? So there, there still should be that one, which I joke and maybe I'm serious would be one of the, a sequel to it. Like go just off the, you know, off the walls with a, the 20th sequel. I don't know. Um, but yeah, just started there. Cause I'm like, you know, write what you know and the low budget filmmaking thinking of like, what do I have access to locations and things and stuff that are cool or unique? And it just seemed like 
all these reasons to like try to do it. Oh, cool. Um, now, oh, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. I was going to ask you, when you made this short, did you always feel like it had the potential to become a feature or did that come about later on when you decided, you know, let's try it out a feature length? It was my hope from the, from the start, like when the idea came to me, but I knew there's at the time I only had made one short film, my first one called girl. And I knew there's no way I was going to try to jump from this like five minute, very small thing to try. Even just the short of the stylus was a huge leap. So it just seemed like something we could do in both form formats. And we just started with the short and we thought it would help us then make, you know, get the feature made. We'd have this thing to show people. Um, and I think it helped a lot. And then in, in, in the end, it also helped us just create a fan base for the project and ultimately crowdfund it, which we couldn't, I think was possible because of the short film. That was kind of the uh, a cool thing. I kind of followed the the production of the the film just through the the Kickstarter there. How was that to to kind of go through the the crowdfunding uh, route? It's um it's a huge like extra project on top of the project that you're trying to make. Um, I've had done them for two of the short my short films, so I felt I had a little bit of experience, but was way terrified for this because we were just trying to raise like. $5,000 with the short films, which was still very hard, understandably. And so I was like, how are we going to go from that to try to raise? Like, I didn't even know we're going to try to raise like 50 grand or 30, or we were trying to see. And I was like, even any of those numbers sound crazy to me and we're never going to get there. It's very stressful, the actual campaign itself. But um, we just thought if there's one we could do it with, it feels like this had the potential because of the short film and it played so many festivals. And I just had this like crazy, like marketing scheme for it. I was like, I'm contacting every festival that the short film played. going to ask every single one of them to like promote this for us. And one last meal was coming out at the same time. It was just like, it felt like all this timing thing. I was like, well, one last meal is playing all these places. We can bring up the Kickstarter naturally is this whole freaking thing. Um, I've never spent more time. Like I'm a big, like a pun in campaigns, like for the social media and stuff for the movies, but I've spent way more time on this than I did like the short film campaigns. Cause I was like, this is a lot of money you're trying to raise. And you have to think of like unique ways to, I feel like remind people of it without just saying, here's the link. Here's the, you know, just the same thing over and over. And it's, but um, ultimately it's, it's freaking awesome. Cause at the end it's like, these it's like a couple hundred backers we have or maybe almost 400 i mean like all those people made the movie with us like they're all investors in the film essentially and just yesterday i was signing like six, 70 some posters and tubed them all up and sent them off and oh, that's um, awesome so it's like we're still the that's still stuff there's still stuff i have to fulfill it's like a ends up being a two, three year project when you run a Kickstarter for a feature. Um, but it's important to me, of course, to follow through with all of that stuff. It's, it's an awesome tool, but a thing you really need to prepare for. I feel like I could write a book on it now and now I'm considering, or like the, like to the campaign part of it, how you promote it. It's just so much that goes into it. 
Oh yeah, there was that thing back in like the late '90s, early 2000s that Maximum Maximum Rock and Rock and Roll put out that whole like book your own fucking life, the thing where you know you, you found every couch and living room you could play. I feel like you could totally do that for for independent film. I think that would be huge. People would love that. Hell um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the movie itself, um, it is one of the. Um, it's one of the most impactful thrillers I've seen in a while, just because it, it in that first five minutes you get hooked in. Um, and by the way, it, as a side note, the Foley work in that first five minutes, <laughs> the, it's, the, the squishiness is, um, it's visceral. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> That's why I had, I had to tell my sister, she, she has a little bit of a problem with like a Foley work. I'm like Aaron, I love you. If you watch this, maybe skip the beginning. I'll describe to you what happens, <laughs> but you you will feel it too much. Like you'll feel it too much, you know. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, the we worked with a team. Shout out uh, to Noise Floor in Chicago. They're a big post sound house, and I've never worked with such a fancy situation before. Like all my short films. <laughs> like great talented people but like one person doing everything as far as post sound goes and to deal with a feature and all the different layers of it i'm like we've been having one person do all of this on a short film (laughs) like i don't know if that that sounds crazy um but yeah just like spent weeks you know cleaning up dialogue and then and stuff that i'm like oh my god about like all these notes of stuff that's not perfect i'm like I'm not fixed. I am not a fan of ADR. I'm like, I'll avoid, I'm like, I don't care if it's fucked. I'd rather have it sound a little messed up than ADR because it's so fake feeling. I can feel every ADR breath that we've added in. <laughs> um, but that's, of course, because I know I've watched it like with no sound, um, which is insanely, no one should see movies with no sound. But um, it was so cool. <laughs> To work on the special effects stuff is weird also to approach because you're like, what does that sound like? We don't act completely, no. And every I've researched scalpings like crazy, especially for the short film. I watch, swear I watch every scalping that exists in movies, and I'm probably missing a lot, honestly. I shouldn't even claim that. But normally they're so fast. It's like a rip, you know, it's like instant. And uh, yeah. Um, so it was like ours is so slow. We wanted it to like yeah. we somehow in the short film it was perfect. It's like oh we redid it in the opening of the feature, but the pullback of that scalp like all the way through, we knew like so much that is the sound that like really sells it. That's like the final thing. Um, and we're all we like pushed it as far. We're like this is the kind of thing we want like people to like want to leave the theater. That's how gross it should sound. Not yeah. it shouldn't sound. <laughs> like natural isn't really even the motivation it's like what we think it sounds like and then make it grosser than that (laughs) right you want it you want it to live inside here a little bit yeah like even even now i'm pretty sure i can hear it's like watermelons involved like digging fingers into melons and like i think there's like even just like ripping cardboard and velcro and all kinds of different things i was gonna say that's yeah could hear the resistance which was yeah. perfect it was like wet but also like you could you could hear the effort like she's really working <laughs> at this 
but she's also a professional and she's done this a bit. So you get like the preciseness, like it was a great, like you knew everything about her in that scalping, which sounds like a weird thing to say about someone, but not this character. <laughs> it says everything, just how she's, how slow and precise and perfect it is. So you have to have that sound yes. and go, she's fine with this sound. <laughs> she's okay. It might be comforting to her. What does that mean? Which is great in the beginning of a yeah. film because you're like, where does this go? <laughs> Where do I go from here? <laughs> That was, that was fantastic. I just wanted to like to say what she is like at the start. Like this is a movie about her yeah. and like her falling apart versus discovering that she's a killer. So it's like it, she is a killer. That's what she is. You know that from going into the movie. Right. Always wanted it to be like that. Or even like someone said this to me. I wish I could remember who it was, but like anyone who's worried about twists or revealing stuff or whatever, some movies that's like what it, it lends itself to that. But um, I love this example of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is my favorite horror movie of all time. But the title like tells you exactly what the movie is. Yeah. Like there's no question. <laughs> and it's almost like the dreading of just waiting for that to happen. is like what makes it even worse. Cause you already know it's, there's no surprises. Like, <laughs> And I like that. I'm, I feel like I'm more lend, lend, lend myself to that kind of like writing or thinking. It's like tell everybody everything. And that's like our ending. I know people, I won't say it to spoil it, but like I know people are going to know it's coming. Like they know something horrible is going to come. It's the end of a horror right. movie. And it's like, I'm like that. May, yeah. Like I feel like the dreading it's maybe cool or so, or whatever. Yeah. I also know it's a critique. <laughs> oh no. I remember the exact moment. I know the exact moment. I was like, Oh no. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like it is perfect. One person, I'm like, okay, two. Oh, 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 and it's it, it's odd. Uh, like the timing was great because like it's just enough time for your brain to catch up and then get worried. Yeah, you're like, oh, there's only one way this is gonna go. <laughs> oh no. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, the timing was really yeah, great. And on with that. that, I just want to say also huge kudos because I feel like so many times we find in horror that like so many pieces you know of it we love but sometimes some films have trouble sticking the landing and this one i felt like you you stuck it it was so good like i was like that's exactly the moment this should end it was perfect i thought it was great so kudos. thank you <laughs> and not a second yeah. more too i'm like that's, that's it. it what else that's could be it. said uh that was the last shot was exactly what it needed to be because it's her story thank yeah. you so you yeah. need to end with her <laughs> yeah. i'm so happy with it being into or just how it ended up turning out because I always envisioned envision that it would start on her face and end on her face and I'm like what happens next is obvious you don't need to see it or is it obvious that we can go into crazy sequel <laughs> world <laughs> where nothing is logical uh, anymore <laughs> man, I really can't wait for the stylist too when Claire is just like the flow killer that's going to be amazing you know no, it's just yeah there's so many it, hilarious like subtitles people have come up with and stuff I'm like it just lends itself to like a ridiculous thing <laughs> which is what i've said i'm like i would have to let go of the tone that i wanted in the first one and have to like accept that it's like a totally different thing at least like for me <laughs> it would be the texas yeah. chainsaw massacre 2 style where right. or gremlins 2 which we're all big fans of both these films where it's like you've did everything you needed to do in the first one do something different no, no. and experimental yeah. and fun why not it's you know it's your thing yeah as a t toby hooper fanatic i've definitely said that i would do that <laughs> <laughs> yes! I, I have a random question which is i just want to know um has 
both the short and then the future had any impact on your relationship with your clients actually working? You know, <laughs> I was going to ask that too. So thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> it has not, I don't think um, I've definitely had funny moments where there are clients that I've taken on in like the last year or two that don't know me really well. Like I have most of my clients, I feel like I've, I've been doing their like forever they, so they know like more than they probably <laughs> I tell like my clients too much information about my life. Um, but uh, personal shit. <laughs> but um, so most of them are either like a horror fan and a filmmaker or something. And but the newer ones and I and I kind of like adopted this whole clientele from someone who moved a couple years ago that's not in the horror world per se. And so <laughs> there's been a few people I've been cutting their hair and they're like. I'm like, I'm a filmmaker and tell them what it is. And I'm like, it's about a hairstylist that kills people. <laughs> That's like, sometimes people are like, and like legitimately looks t- like concerned. And, but some people I say it before, I'm like, don't be scared. It's about. <laughs> or they've been the only person in the salon at the at night when I tell them this. They don't. I'm like, no. I'm like, good thing you don't know. Oh, what happens in the movie? Because this this oh, situation. No. That's and that's what made me write that scene, which happens in the future too. That like she's left as the only one there. I'm like that happens all the time. It's just one of us because we all often in salons we, we all rent our own spaces, so we all ha- run our own schedule and work at different times and. So you never know if you'll be the only person in there or what's going to go on. <laughs> but yeah, I've probably scared some people. Here's I don't know. <laughs> or they've gone home and watched the trailer and been like, oh, wow. And it's the salon that I cut hair in is the salon in the movie. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Which I think is cool. If I'm like, if the movie gets real big one day, it'll maybe be like a famous place to come visit. I don't know. <laughs> Come get your hair cut and get the full stylish experience. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm having my first haircut in over a year on Thursday, but I'm fine. You can come all over to Kansas City and get your haircut. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, I mean, what's the? You think I'm always a bit nervous, so I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? I'm fine as long as I walk out of here, no matter what happens to my hair. Comparatively, yeah. I'm fine as long as you walk out. It's helping. It's helping. Yeah. That, yeah, there's exactly. new bar has been set on the salon. <laughs> okay, yeah. I never thought about it like that. I've turned That's a real good. leaf. Um, yeah. Everyone, you need to tell your hairstylist to watch the movie. I, I need to make sure every hairstylist in the world has uh, heard about this. I'm trying to get it screened in after. Th- in the salon <laughs> somehow. Oh, that's awesome. oh, that would be great. <laughs> the smell and just like the little sound in my oh, it'd be perfect. Yeah, like jaws on the beach. <laughs> perfect. Oh. Yeah, people do those like you sit in an inner tube in a lake and watch jaws. Um, you know, in yeah. 40 years, oh maybe that <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, dream. <laughs> yes, I love it. Jill, I was going to ask, aside from like your own personal like experience, like career wise, I was going to ask what like some of your other like horror or film influences were like that kind of like inspired you towards the tone of this, especially since it's not the stylist in space or, you know, going down, you know, other more comedy realms, like what kind of influenced you on it? Yeah, um, it kind of. 
it initially started really inspired by like Leatherface as a character and uh, May, Lucky McKee's May. I definitely have tons of influence to the point where I'm like, is he going to be mad at me? (laughs) Um, But Lucky's seen the film and complimented it, which is like the guy don't, that just can't, it's still completely surreal. That can't actually have happened. Um, But uh, like, you know, her, the vanity May sitting at the vanity and the shots in the mirror kind of, and her as a character, there's a lot of common stuff, but as far as like kind of the structure of the film, <clears throat> I think we always wanted to feel more like a, a, a psychological thriller versus, you know, like a, a horror or a slasher. Then once we went to any kills, we wanted to go full blown horror movie, but the kind of just the whole structure of the movie. And we started to look towards there were obvious stuff. It's actually, someone read the movie and told me this. And then I realized more of kind of what it was a way older draft, but a single white female is something I actually didn't see till I start like after a draft of this. And um, it's funny. Someone was like, this is like a, a, like a Dario Gento did single white female. I'm like, what? And I watched it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is way like, single, like she even changes her hair, like to become look like her. And I realized, reading this book called House of Psychotic Women by Kayla Genesee. I've got to look up to read, uh, pronounce her last name correctly, but um, I know how that goes. It's an incredible book about <laughs> she's uh, programmed a lot of like been in the head of Fantastic Fest of Monster Fest. She's written a lot of books. She, she's part of the Miss. I am going to mess all that up. Anyway, this book she has is incredible and it's about a uh, female neurosis in horror and exploitation. So specifically all movies about women losing their minds in horror movies. And it's the fucking greatest book ever. <laughs> so many movies I had never heard of <laughs> until I read this book. And she had a whole segment of uh, movies about like doppelganger films, like the double theme, like not literal doppelgangers always, but like specific movies about people, women obsessing over another woman, like wanting to become her in a way. Like that's how I finally saw persona by Bergman and then three women by Robert Altman, which has Sissy Spacek and Shelley Duvall. I'm like, how did I never see this? Like these two (laughs) horror icons in this other film. That's incredible. Um, And then like single white females, more obvious one, or even like black Swan is like one of those films Mm. Uh, and um, this whole freaking line I went down, like Sisters by Brian De Palma, and, and De Palma is what sent me down this, like, realize he, you know, I knew Carrie and Scarface and his bigger films, but I didn't, I had just watched <laughs> Sisters and Blowout for the first time and um, Dressed to Kill. And I realized, like, I didn't know he had, like, all these thrillers that are, like, incredible thrillers. And it just, like, we, be- that became, like, this is kind of, we just knew like that whole world we were in. This is in fact, this is this list of movies I gave to everyone that worked on the movie from like persona to Carrie to sisters and, um, and the newer films like neon demon or black Swan. It was just like, this is this world we want to be in. Like these like elegant thrillers that are about yeah. women and obsession and perfection. And like all have these different themes and I'm going to go on a rant. I could go forever <laughs> about these movies, but oh, it's God. like, yeah, so many of them I discovered in that book and, I'm telling you, everyone should read that book. That's a fan of films at all, because it's just like she, this the author, she also interweaves her autobiography and connects it to like these specific 
themes of films. It's just like an incredibly brave and smart writing and so good. That sounds um, awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, I would, this film wouldn't even be what it was if I didn't read that book because I learned like through say persona and three women, both films about women, like one woman obsessing with another and kind of almost trying to become her or them fuse into one being was like, I learned like visual ways to bring out that theme, like with the stacking of the characters on top of each other, intentionally blocking like Claire behind Olivia Bria's character and the split screen stuff. And yeah, it's just like, I learned a lot about how to visually bring out stuff like that through all those filmmakers. Building on that looks, I was very fascinated about like, uh, particularly like, uh, female femme uh like relationships and how friendships and obsessions and how that can mix up but i thought was very interesting what uh the stylist brought into that is this anxiety that she has and that you feel like those were perhaps the scariest moments when she's swearing herself in the car like you know you screwed up you screwed up and that is so very realistic and really gets us in her head and i was wondering Mm -hmm. um did it always start as her like almost like the anxiety is like her engine. Like this is the way that she, uh, I guess I would say like fixes the mistake she's made is like this, I'll be somebody else. Did it start like that? Or did it kind of evolve as you were exploring uh, the different kinds of relationships you would have with uh, people and, and characters in the film? Well, it's interesting. At first I just thought of her at- and what she does is a, an escape into, you know, a different identity. Cause she does, I don't think no, has her own identity or, or knows herself that well. So she's always like desperate to feel, to know what it's like to feel what someone else feels like. And that's kind of what I was focused on on the short, but I realized through the feature and re- almost more into the reactions that everyone's had to it is how much I put like, I deal with like a great amount of anxiety myself. And I'm like, how much, She's was obviously always anxious character to me, I guess, but we didn't see that we see so much more of her life in this feature, which is why I was dying to make it for so long. So I knew there's like a character piece. You need to spend time with someone like that to get to know them. And then and me and Najar and the writer, other two writers, Eric Havens and Eric Stoles, had so much time to develop her so much thicker and think about the reasons for everything more since the short, like we've changed her background and the intentions since then. And, but yeah, it's, I've always envisioned her as like a very anxious person and everything she does, like the all like controlling everything and being very precise is like an attempt to control that. Cause that is what normally when you're out of control as an anxious person, that's when your anxiety yeah, is, um, triggered and i feel like a lot of us yeah can relate to that even though not as extreme as claire maybe but like the yeah leaving a conversation and wishing like why did i say feeling stupid for saying something and beating yourself up over it um but yeah i've it's been cool and like eye-opening to myself of the reactions everyone that's connected to her anxiety and i'm like oh man i've put so much more of my anxiety in her than i realized but it makes it totally makes sense uh I, I mean i don't know how how universal but like i've definitely been in that like bachelorette party party system where you're like why am i he-? like everyone seems to be connecting and i'm not or the the text message the pulling it up deciding what you're writing erasing it 
did the person respond? Oh no, I screwed up. That all just hit so hard to, you know, have sympathy for character that I'm also like, yeah, but you're killing people. It's fantastic. Cause you're, you're, you're always this push and pull about like, oh, I feel bad <laughs> for her. Oh no, wait a second. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think she's reacting to this anxiety as well as she could, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's fast. Cause it, keep, it keeps at least me like very focused on like, uh, I'm trying to understand her, even though I don't think even if I understand her, that doesn't change what she does. And she remains kind of a monster, which I appreciate that there's not like mm-hmm. this big like uh, redemption. Like I understand her, I feel sorry for her, but also like, yeah. Uh, you, touched, you touched on it a little bit, but I was going to ask you um, about, because um, so much of the movie is about that lead performance, uh, Najara Townsend's performance as, um, oh my God, Claire, Claire thank you. <laughs> um, and I was curious, I loved the fact that you know, since she she played that character in the short and she got to, you know, continue on for the feature. And I always love that when you have that continuation when the, the same performer is able to 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 reprise the role and kind of expand it with the film. Um and so you mentioned that you she was, you know, a part of that process of kind of coming up with her backstory and developing Claire. Um I was curious, you know, a little more about you know, what she, what she brought to it and, you know, how that relationship worked, you know, making that transition from, you know, portraying her in the short to, to now the future. Yeah, it was so much has happened since then. And it's, I feel like, honestly, I, even the reaction to the short film kind of informed what we wanted to change in the future or focused on. And with the short, honestly, we didn't have ne- you know nearly the, the same amount of time, and I didn't the, the re- personal relationship Najar and I have built. Also, there's no no way like that hasn't helped like everything so much, and our connection with Claire and like understanding of her. With the short, we had just barely knew each other at the time, and I'm was crazy intimidated to be working with her, and like so excited. <laughs> um, she's just so talented, and I, I couldn't imagine anyone else being Claire the way that like the way that she did it and it's perfect um but she with the feature we had these this is not even internal but we had these scars on her neck and I realized everyone focused on that and it became all about the outside and I wanted to really be more about what's going on with Claire internally and how it doesn't act how it doesn't reflect reality and how we judge ourselves. We all do that unfairly. And she's a very extreme version of it. But so we wanted to focus on the internal and take all that away. It's not just about like covering up some scar or something. And um, I even thought at one point that we would cast someone more like Najar is gorgeous. I don't know how to say this without sounding mean, but someone that's just like, you more unique looking or not, not just like a beauty, like she is. Um, but I mean, I think she is actually very unique looking, but she's freaking like, uh, like stunningly gorgeous. If you ask me, sorry, I've been being creepy Najara, but, um, <laughs> but then I realized in hindsight that like that, ha- that says something too, that it's not to me, it, it's something saying something very weirder to cast someone intentionally. That's like, an outcast or whatever that even means that all feels horrible to talk about people that way, but just that it's not about how she actually looks or whatever anyone else perceives anyone as it's how we feel about ourselves. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, to work with her for that long, 
was so cool because she read every version of the script we've written. And, but beyond that, she also taught me a, a kind of more, a better way to develop a background for a character and not just the obvious stuff, like who were their parents, where they live and all these like facts. But like, she taught me that it's important to create literal memories, like specific moments. Cause that's really what, like all that we are is like all these little memories. Cause that kind of, that informs how we make decisions, like these like specific moments, you know, that you don't forget. And, uh, I had, remember I had created one, in this like crazy thing I had written or maybe a couple. And she, that's when I learned, she was like, this is what I do for every character. Like, this is great. And she created more with me. And she even journaled like as Claire, I know beforehand. And also like, uh, like the night, like before she'd come to set to get into that moment. Cause we're shooting out of order, like crazy. This is a, such a undertaking for Najara. I can't, <laughs> There'd be days where I'm just like, oh my God, she's going through so much emotionally. It, it starts to make me feel very guilty in a in this very weird way. Um, like um, what like going through all these very sad, horrible things. <laughs> when she got to smile on a shot, we're like, Claire's smiling in this scene. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> she's happy today. She's not a, like it's a very anxious, sad, horribly sad character to play. In fact, she said that she was like. I highlighted her hair a little bit to get the red out. I, she was like gone back blonde before we shot the feature. I was like, we have to go back to Claire's red hair. <laughs> I know how much that's asking as a hairstylist because that's a lot like that's You can't just go back to blonde like that. And But she was like, I need to change it at least a little bit at the end of the shoot. She's like, I'd really like to if we could just because... I need to get out of this headspace and this keeps me here. I'm like, like yeah. it was that intense of a role. Um but yeah, she was so amazing. Like she understood Claire in this way where like we'd be setting up a shot and the camera's like somewhere and there's blood maybe on the ground. I'm trying to think of a specific moment where like they were setting it up, the camera and light in a way that where Claire would have had to walk over something. And I was like, just standing there like Claire would never walk like in that direction. <laughs> like this is how well I know Claire. she's like totally a real person to me. And I look and I was like in my, the camera, people are like, Jill, you're being ridiculous. I'm like, Let's I'll let me prove this to you. I like turn to Claire. Claire, she's a Claire to me. I turned to Najara <laughs> and ask her what she doesn't even know what we were talking about. And she'd be like, Yeah, Claire would not. She'd like walk around or like go. So we had to like reset up the camera and lighting. So I'm like, Claire would not do that. Like, we know what she would do. <laughs> but like, that's what the positive of we were trying to make the movie for so many years and really like really got bummed out that it wasn't happening. But in hindsight, like we got to make it the way we wanted to because with Kickstarter, instead of some company wanting to have creative control and all these years, it's all all the same camera, like it's the same director, photography, production designer, editor, composer, colorist, like all the, so many of the same people have been like, came back to it and we all got to like redo it and do it better. So it was really cool. Oh. I just went on the craziest rant there. I can talk forever. <laughs> like, like an entire crew living in that world. First of all, that's uh, rare that that happens. And I think that shows in the film because it, I mean, for a film about someone who is uh, scalping people, uh, it feels very realistic. It feels very <laughs> lived in. Like you, you know, this world and you, you know, you, um, it make you know, it makes sense. Like ever, all the decisions 
it kind of makes sense and why, you know, when the reactions and it, it, it all feels very, what adds to that level of terror and that growing concern is it feels real for, for the, for the, for the, uh, scary things that it's happening. It feels real. It's like, she could be out there. What if you attracted her attention? <laughs> like, you know, like, oh no, those people just walking by and, you know, she's like kind of sizing them up a little like, Hey, you know, my, you know, would they fix would they, you know, and you're like, oh no, oh no, only hats from now on. But it's only because it feels real. Like, only because you're like, oh, she could be out there right now. <laughs> this has nothing to do with it. Again, I getting my hair cut on Thursday. This is the only reason. I need to see what, I need to see that hair on Oh God, there. no. It's, it's a mess. Did I try cutting it myself? Maybe. So no one needs to see what's going on under here. Oh no. I got desperate a while ago. <laughs> I was living a different movie. <laughs> so speaking of not wanting to uh to cross paths with claire folks we have now entered spoiler territory if you have not seen the stylist yet you may want to skip ahead to 45 minutes in your podcast player uh it will skip everything uh concerning this plot point my recommendation is to uh Stop the podcast completely. If you haven't seen The Stylist yet, what are you waiting for? It's out there on uh, on Blu-ray and VOD. Go check it out. Come back and listen to the story. It's a, uh, a movie podcast about a brand new movie. It's a, a great movie and one you should watch. I'm not quite sure how you made it 40 minutes into the show without seeing it yet. Go rectify that and then come back and you can hear Jill's story about... Oh, well, that would be a spoiler too. Jill... How'd it feel getting killed on screen? <laughs> As a horror nerd, I'm like, oh man, that must be amazing. So how was that? Yeah, basically it was a I tell, tell like there's a few reasons. One, living out like my 12-year-old dreams of being killed in a movie. And like really a really gnarly one, too. I was like, this is like gonna be a drawn out, which is like I basically in hindsight, I realized I created the worst nightmare for my mother. Oh, no. Um, it was so horrible. Oh, no. What did I do? But um, no, really, she can't stand violence. Like, even someone who's getting punched in a movie, in something, oh. she'll be like, oh, and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> no, really, like, I almost, she almost cried when I showed her just, like, a clip of it, not even the worst part oh, of it. No. It was horrible. Um, but... On the other side, it was awesome. <laughs> oh, wait. Um, I, yeah, I wanted, I'll, I was like, this is a dream. When I discuss it with like the, me and the DP and production designer are like the main three producers. And then we were talking about all these, just like started talking about casting. We start with casting all of the people who are going to have deal with special effects because of all the stuff we have to make for it. And um, when we're thinking about that kill, like it's, well, the, this whole thing is spoilery as hell. Um, it's like a random person that isn't in the, you know, like it's, so I knew it was just, I don't know. I, first I was worried cause I'm very camera shy and I've like said, I'll do things. And then the day comes, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And so I was like, I knew that I was like, I had to make the decision and there's no backing out cause of all the things we had to prepare. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that on my own movie. And like, can't someone else can't fill in that day with my wig and um, or maybe they could have with a wig okay anyway but um i 
it was also a practical thing from the producer perspective of casting. It's like, oh, we cast someone, we've got to pay them. And then we got to figure out, we have to think about hair when we're casting these people because we're scalping them and how we're going to match it to a wig. Certain hair colors are not easy. Like that's an annoying thing to think about with casting. With my hair is only black at the time. I was like, it's the easiest hair to find a wig for. And so like practically it makes sense. You don't have to pay me to act in the movie. I'm like, I'd have to pay myself. I had to find the money. (laughs) um, So just like all these things, I was like, I'm going to do it. But I was just so nervous until like, but it really helped that um, like a few, Najara came in town probably a week before we started shooting. And so we went to all the locations. And when we went to that spot, her and I blocked through the whole thing. And she even gave me like, some direction that really helped me. I feel like in that and as a director um, to like, it just made, I just wanted to kind of rush through it. And she's like, you got to remember like you in this scene, don't know what's going to happen Just slow it all down. And like that just like clicked with me. I was like, okay. But once with everyone, I thought I was going to be, ner- I even get more nervous in front of doing that kind of stuff with friends that these people are all so close with me now. It's like, okay, I'm going to, it's just like getting myself <laughs> <laughs> like you're gonna do it there's no other option jill but um my friend and e- editor on the film john pada he's also a writer director himself he came he, he came to set twice during he's from wisconsin but came down twice during the shoot and we made sure that he could come down for that and i had him like as basically second unit director just at the monitor because i didn't didn't want to give myself the opportunity to go look every time I was like, I'm going to be an actor and not, I'm not allowed to look at it till like we're moving on. And you like, I trust you. And I went through all the storyboards. He knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I was like, if I do that, you know, I'll be like, my, I look stupid there. Or I might, you know, you know how we are about like, yeah. think that doesn't matter. The things that don't matter. Yeah, no, but uh, so it was, I learned, I, I got another appreciation for actors is like, it's just, it seemed like a small thing, but it was like a 10 hour shoot to do that. And I was like, just laying in a puddle of blood for a long time. And I couldn't move. And I was like, it's freezing. And this sucks. And I had to, and when I like, let, when I get, when I had to like fall over, I was like, I'm technically doing what SAG considers a stunt. And I have to like, I had to like land all these spots. I'm like, how do actors do this? I had to like hit all these three marks and fall out and try to act while I was doing it. I was like, this is too much pressure. I can't do this shit. <laughs> this is why I'm behind the camera. Oh, that's still a lot of pressure, but it's like, okay, we don't, some people do not appreciate how much pressure like a performer has. It's like everyone gets everything set up and they're like, okay, now land this thing and be great so we can move on it's like that's a lot like i just i've always really appreciated them and now i see it i'm like okay this is horrifying (laughs) i went home and actually like this isn't to be i went home and like cried my eyes i just realized like wow that was like a lot to take on like exhausted more exhausting and i think bria i don't know if it's bria that explained it this way i've never heard this before but she said that like as an act like you're but when you're an actor and you're going through something like if you're running from a killer in a scene or whatever, it's that she says, like they say that your you, your mind knows you're acting, but your body still goes through all of it. So it's like it's a weird thing. It's like maybe that's why I was so emotional after this because <laughs> it went great. I was just like, wow, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Jill's <laughs> rant number 45 is over now. <laughs> were you were you wearing uh, the Ranger shirt during that? 
That was yes. That was there's, cool. a, like, there's a million <laughs> like, shout outs I've tried to do was, in there. Like it's a Ranger shirt that's designed by my friends at Atomic Cotton. <laughs> um, it's funny. I have like I had like five shirts ready because I knew I was going to get them bloody. Yeah, I just wore the one shirt the whole time. So I should send those out to people as a thing. You should. That would be good. That'd be cool. <laughs> but I was like, just that little part like, oh, nice. You know, like, like movie solidarity. I appreciate that. While you're being murdered. So that's like a lot yeah. going on at once. Being very efficient. What's funny is your voice sounds just like Heather Buckley's voice, who's one of the producers oh, on The Ranger. And I love her so much. The first word you said, I'm like, oh my gosh, she sounds just like Heather. <laughs> And Jen, the director, they both really helped helped me a lot with a lot of stuff and advice. Like, because Ranger was Jen's first feature, and you know, also like female filmmakers solidarity. Yeah. And I just, it was cool to also, I have, I, to I throw something in there like that, that movie. I'm like, yeah, no, you keep your hair. What's the guy doing? Pink <laughs> <Take> hair <care>, solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think you know. Well, we were a genre film festival, so we're all about like supporting film supporting films that's you know especially small medium-sized yeah. films because those are the ones that uh lose out where we, we go to kick you know go to kickstarter now because like it's you're either giant films or ones that are going like straight to like straight to like like netflix will just grab them up you know i mean that is what it is yeah but, like you know you we were trying to get more voices and more stuff like 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 the stylist which is you know i don't know if that film comes out in a traditional system not the way it came out, which is the way it had to come out for it to be the stylist. Okay, I'm kind of going in circles, yeah. but you know, <laughs> philosophy. I like it. <laughs> philosophy. I, I feel like there's a world where, yeah, you would have had to go through the the whole studio thing, and all of a sudden you'd have 45 minutes where you know Claire's parents are, are chased to the edge of a cliff by a pair of scissors, and that's what pushes her into the oh, rampage no, or something no. like that. You what, know, Todd, why? What what happened? What I happened? feel like a, a bigger thing I feel like would have made me in like do something at the end. Like we need a couple more scenes or yeah. something. Um, I, I'm gonna jump off something that Adam mentioned to me a little bit before we started, which was um in in the within the realm of like female filmmaker solidarity, what was it like working with Brea? Yeah. Um since she you know, also recently had 12 hour shift, which we were a partner on showing virtually here. And we thought was also was fantastic. Yes. Yeah, um, it slapped so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then that she got to work with Angela Bettis from May. I'm so jealous. I freaking love Bria. She, I met her through another project that, Maybe one day we'll still get to make. There's so many movies that people are trying to make that who knows. If we'll, so when one get anything gets made, I feel like it's just a miracle, honestly, at this point. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we met through another project. And honestly, when I just met her through that, like on an email, I was like geeked out. I'm like, I watched Heroes. I'm like, this is like super, this super famous person. I was so excited. I'm still geeked out about her, but I couldn't believe it that when I heard about this project and I had always like, since I met her, envisioned her in that role, like I felt like she had so much of this character in real life. Except unless you don't think that she's a little snarky at times. She's not <laughs> when Olivia is, not Bria. But um, I just always pictured her in this role and also love this idea of, you know, working with the same people. And um, it was funny that when it finally came down to making the film, I didn't tell her that I've been picturing this role for a long time. And when we decided to do the Kickstarters, when I finally reached out to her and I knew that she was 
in the middle of all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't know if I knew she was in post on, I think Lucky and 12 Hour Shift have both already shot. But when I asked her, she was like, I'd love to do it, but it's going to ma- come down to the scheduling because we were asking her like six months ahead of time. And she's also been writing on writing and directing on a show on the CW, that Pandora. She writes on a Netflix oh. show called that she helped kind of start. What the heck is it called? Um, Eastsiders. Like she does tons of writing. And so it was more of like, is she available for that much time? Cause other lead role, like a few weeks. And it was, I honestly made no backup plan. And it was like, not till like a month before that we were for sure that she was coming maybe six weeks before. Cause it's a lot of things to prepare a wedding dress and all kinds of things. And, uh, but which is very hard props to our costume designer, Holly Sharp in like another city making things. And like, and then it has to like put it together really fast. Like when people actually show up, like it's insanity. Um, but it was a freaking dream to work with her. And I'm still like, like I say, I'm like, I feel like I'm intimidated by everyone I work with. That's like my theme is I'm always trying to like work with all these people that are really incredible and learn from them. But she never made, she was never, I feel like people wonder if, like she's not that kind of person that stepped over any toes or tried to be a director ever when she was, you know, on set as an actor. I think she, she, you know, she'd been doing this for so long. She's so professional. But um, when I asked for advice, she'd give it to me. And like we worked on Olivia's background. And it's funny when I sent her this, this is like the stuff I had written, which is barely anything compared to like how much I had on Claire. Cause I'm like, this is Claire's story. I feel like I don't know Olivia that as much for on purpose. And when I sent this stuff to her, I apologized for how like sm- small it was. And she was like, this is the most I've ever gotten on any character. I was like, what? and then I was, then I was like, what is happening? Am I doing this wrong? <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I'm the only one doing it right. That's not true. But I'm like, okay, well, that makes me feel better and concerned for everyone else in the world. <laughs> but um, she's amazing. Like, and it's funny, she'll say this. She's like, when we, I finally got to see her for the first time since we shot it in Austin a couple of weeks ago. And she's like, it's unfair because Claire is <laughs> such a not fun seeming character. And she's like, in real life, it, we're a little opposite. Like Najar is the one having fun and dancing and lively with everyone. She's like, I'm not scalping people, but I'm more quiet. <laughs> um, but they stayed together in an apartment when we were shooting. So that's funny. And we made all these jokes. Huh. Like, <laughs> did you wake up with like Najara staring at you? <laughs> we were all a huge family on this thing. It was freaking awesome. And it's just so cool to work with both. Naj- I knew when Najara and Bria were going to do it. It's like, this is going to be amazing. But I didn't get to see them together until like we were filming. <laughs> I didn't know like what the chemistry would be like with the... I wanted them to feel like opposites and I'm sorry to interrupt Jill but we're back in spoiler territory and I want to give folks just a second or two to to skip ahead to about 54 minutes or 55 minutes uh, on their podcast player just so they aren't spoiled about anything that's coming up here I mean folks could actually go and just watch the movie it's available on VOD it's available on Blu-ray you've now made it almost an hour into a conversation about uh the stylist with jill why haven't you watched the movie yet go do it come be one of the cool kids tell your friends about this great new movie you just saw tell your friends about the fun podcast you heard about it 
do it. What are you waiting for? Or just skip ahead to 55 minutes. It's up to you. We did that parking garage deck thing first, which is like the most confrontational oh, moment they have. Oh, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> which I think almost worked because it's the first thing we did and then worked back into them getting to know each other more. And but it was like the first thing I was like, oh my God, it's perfect. It's so uncomfortable and awkward and painful oh. and and great. <laughs> I was definitely watching through my face. I'm like, oh God. Oh, it's getting like that's one of my favorite oh, moments, God. and it's not like a horror moment at all. You know, it's like just like a oh. the most uncomfortable, yeah. awkward. Oh, and then, God, I, and, no. but really, my heart just breaks for Claire, even though it's like Claire, you're being like super inappropriate, and like you don't understand boundaries at all. Like we wanted it to feel like you feel for Claire. Like Olivia's just stating normal boundaries that should be held like okay and acceptable. But for Claire, it's like she's saying, I hate you, never talk to me again, like yeah. go away. <laughs> oh no. Oh, okay. Well, I love it. This scene makes that very clear where yeah. Claire is in her head. Cause like, you know, yeah, you are listening, going, like, no, that's all reasonable stuff, but you know how much it's it's kind of turning in her head. You know, like she hears it in a different way because it's established. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I have anxiety too. So I felt that real hard. Like, oh God, I've been like, what if I say the wrong thing? <laughs> like I'm trying to convey to you that are we are friends, right? But to have that like misjudgment of friendship. Yeah. Oh, like like it's such a gut punch. And also on top of it, oh no, now she's going to kill. <laughs> like that's the additional thing. Of like just, she's going to be sad and maybe like eat ice cream at home. It's like, oh no, she's going to yeah, scalp somebody. <laughs> Oh man, that's her Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> Maybe Claire. The sequel's just Claire sitting there eating ice cream for an hour. Yeah, it's like a, a different coping. My mechanism. art piece, where it's just one shot for an hour. <laughs> like super pretentious. It's gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I do have to say this is the realest I've ever felt anxiety on the screen in my life. Like that's the most real portrayal of, of every brand of anxiety. So it's yeah. Well, Najara just I think that's why she's so incredible. Like so much of it's just in her like very subtle re reactions. It's so internal. And it's like yeah, I get so happy. I'm so happy when I watch her performance, honestly. It's like, even in these horrible moments, I'm like, oh, she is perfect. <laughs> She's doing it perfectly. <laughs> I had one specific question about the script, which was, I thought it was really interesting. Again, minor spoiler, where when she's, when Claire's in the coffee shop and she rips down the poster of the like security cam footage of her, I was kind of expecting there to be more of that, like, oh, getting closer to getting caught. And there, there wasn't as much of that. Was there... Uh, either a tendency to want to do more of that or was it very specifically like no we, we don't even want to go down that path of like a building investigation against her sort of a thing yeah i um i that i feel like it's a weird thing because i think i i personally didn't want to you know didn't want to have that kind of procedural type stuff yeah. in there or like that okay. element of the cops existing or I, was really just, I wanted it to be so personal with her and, but I knew, but we, I did, I think, and it's probably Eric Stoles when he came along to add this stuff, probably we realized we needed to like, we have to address it at least a little bit. Like <laughs> we can't completely like this freaking person's been killed or is gone missing and we've got to do something. And it was like, I think, yeah, even the ideas of the little stuff of the, 
like brother-in-law coming in and behind her at the salon hanging up a flyer we wanted to add like all these little moments to add tension to her like that like the week leading up to the wedding is just like it's kind of closing in on her but but we didn't want to go as far as the police like really keep it in her head Mm. and we really didn't want to leave her perspective ever like we only maybe go to olivia for a few moments and even that was like, should we do that at all <laughs> without her being there or having, being able to see whatever that would be, you know? Yeah. No, I just, I really, I appreciate it. It didn't go the procedure. I thought it was, it was really well handled. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you, the, you know, there's the, this, I do not get offended by this, but you know, the, the, that like baseline critique of every horror movie that's like, this doesn't make sense. Where's the body? Where's the police? I'm like, well, that's every fucking horror movie. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, then it's yeah. a crime film, which, but I like crime films, that's so legit, I want to make that a, a different genre. Like, do you want like, police and investigation? Yeah, it's like when you just focus exactly. on that perspective. Like, no. Yeah, like I love Seven and I love Zodiac. Like those are some of my favorite films. I'd love to make that kind of stuff too. But sometimes you just want the killing. So. Uh- <laughs> okay, no, 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 I just want the killings, uh, like, like the kind yes. of oops all berries, but like, like horrors, like oops all murder. <laughs> it's the good stuff, you know. I don't need the brand. Just give, yes. me, the, give me the murder. <laughs> oh wow, oh, boy, I can never run for office. <laughs> this clip will get around. No, nope, that's it. <laughs> I can just like murder. <laughs> that's it, real. I'm in the background behind you, and that's that's a wrap. That clip oh, no. is concerning. <laughs> <laughs> just take out that clip and, and release it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, before we ended, I wanted to just ask you what it was like releasing a film during a pandemic. Like, how's that process been for you? It has been, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, <laughs> very weird. Not what we expected yeah. or hoped, but I also don't want to sound ungrateful um, because a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of cool things that, happened that couldn't have happened but of course like i always hope we'd all be traveling around to all those festivals and on if i can get on my sad box about it for a minute which i don't it's like to me you got it's not a waste of time but it is like that's how i went to so many festivals with my short films i was just like always preparing for this as like one day i'm gonna have my feature i'm gonna be able to do this with my first feature and then so that is fucking annoying that we couldn't do that. Um, But then the cool thing is with the virtual ones is like the, wherever, whatever country it played in the whole country could access it. People that there's no way they could have attended a film festival, even if the world was open. And um, so I feel like it's just a totally different thing. And then we've, we did have the opportunity of doing some stuff in person. Like even in October, we had a couple drive-in screenings that were really cool. And I've gone to a few in the last few weeks. It's like, if anyone will play us now that even though we're still released, I'm like, I want to get some of that festival experience in person. Um, so that's been just really cool. To, anytime I can listen to the crowd's reactions to it, I'm like going to take take that opportunity because <laughs> I love to know like, like which moments work and work the way we hope they will or whatever. Awkward laughs are my favorite thing to, to, to hear in <laughs> Because that this one has a lot it's a theatrical of theatrical experience. Especially. Yeah. Not that it's funny, but you laugh because you're like, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know what else to mm-hmm. do. 
it's a whole nother thing when you're experiencing something with somebody with a whole bunch of other people and then mm-hmm. you're experiencing their experience with your it's you know it's the magic of the theater you know yeah. I, I love that things can be released and people can see it that they can't but also like it doesn't replace like being in that room and like everyone's like holding their breath and then you notice everyone's holding their breath and you're like yeah eh. it's, and you get really uh, excited and you also learn like what didn't work as a filmmaker I feel like oh, for, yeah. so people are like I know you don't want to most filmmakers don't want to watch their movie every time. After a few times, you're like, I'm not going to sit through <laughs> Like, it's painful, <laughs> kind of. Um, but you learn a lot from every audience. And like, and then it's exciting when like, oh, that everyone laughed at that moment. I love that moment. Or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I think that's a... <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much, Jill, for for joining us tonight. The the night that you're, you're yeah, the thank you, is, thank the, you. The stylist hits VOD and Blu-ray today, right? Well, what's crazy? I've been promoting it a little incorrectly <laughs> today. Today releases on DVD and Blu-ray. Next week, VOD. Oh, okay. Great. And I'm like, why didn't I know this before? I typed this one thousand times. Um, <laughs> I mean, next is only seven more days. Right. It'll be everywhere. Right. Which I'm excited. I'm like, this is the geekiest thing. I'm like, I'm excited just to like see it scroll across Amazon. Yeah. I'll like really geek oh, out for that. <laughs> that's awesome. This is awesome. So nerdy. Like nerdy is just <laughs> passion. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> thank you. This is so thank fun. Thank you so much for, for spending the night with us. This is great. Thank you. Um, Hell yeah. Thanks again to uh, Jill Gavargazian for talking to us about the stylist. It was really a good time. It's if you're listening to it now, as we're we're dropping this episode, it's June 11th, 2021. It's available on Blu-ray. It'll be available on uh, VOD mid next week. So it's a movie uh, everybody here at Anomaly really enjoyed. And speaking of movies we enjoy, we have a film festival that completely revolves around movies we enjoy. It's called the Anomaly Film Festival. It's November 4th through 7th, Rochester, New York, in the year of our Lord 2021. Uh, Location to be uh, announced soon. You'll see that probably on our social media, if I had a guess. Uh, that's at Anomaly Film Fest on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, AnomalyFilmFest.com on the internet. Check us out, won't you? Uh, we're working on uh, kind of putting together a really a really fun show for you this year. We're going through the uh, the cream of the crop for uh, for films out there we, we want to make sure that we all have a blast hang out in a, a movie theater make up for lost time and uh, kind of rekindle our love for theaters again doesn't that sound lovely so we hope to see you there it's november 4th through 7th 2021 this has been the anomaly presents podcast my name is matt knotts thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time If you want to learn more about Rochester and Buffalo's wide range of diverse cuisines, Nominate Meals might be for you. The fun part is you have no idea what you're going to get until you pick your meal up at one of our fantastic events. All you have to do is go to NominateMeals.com and order a meal for two for $40 that features dishes from one small, typically minority-owned restaurant. We run events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer Company in the neighborhood of Play, and also Nowhere Lounge in Buffalo. We offer drink pairings for sale that pair with each dish for that night. 
which really adds to the experience. Go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event and join the nomination.